Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. Two quick announcements before we get started with this exciting podcast today. Number one, I will be at the Shepherds Conference first week of March, Sun Valley, California at Grace Community Church. If you are going to be there, please let me know. It's mutually beneficial for both of us. When I can encourage you, you can encourage me. If you're a listener, I'd love to meet you. Uh, secondly, um, I am just so grateful to all my supporters uh, in prayer and those who support me financially on Patreon. Uh, I've mentioned this for the last month. This is the last call. Today is the last call for this. Um, if you are a Patreon of mine, $5 a month or more, uh, you will receive a book, if you ask me, and send me your address, um, by Mark David Hall uh, called Did America Have a Christian Founding? And I, I really enjoyed this book. I think it's one of the best books on that subject. And so, uh, and it's written at a pop level, so uh, it's easily accessible. Please let me know. Um, Patreon link is in the info section. And I, I'm just overwhelmed by some of you. I, I actually received a check over the weekend from someone who's a supporter, um, completely unsolicited, just someone who wanted to bless me. And it actually brought me to tears that God would use uh, this individual to um, help me with some of the work that I'm doing. Um, your prayers are, are very much appreciated, uh, as many of you know who listen regularly. Uh, full-time school, part-time teaching, I run a business, serve at my church, and then try to do this. And some people wonder how I do it, and I'm not sure exactly, to be honest. It just happens. Uh, someone on Twitter was complaining, uh, saying, they're trying to give me advice, I guess, but they were complaining that I, I post too much on political things on Twitter and uh, giving me some advice that I shouldn't be known for that. And you know, I told them, this is just the tip of the iceberg, man. Like, this is such a small part of my life. Um, but yeah, I will try to post at least once a day. And you know, it takes me just a few minutes to type that out, but they're not seeing the business I run and uh, my <laughs> interactions uh, at you know, educational institution that I'm part of and my church and so forth and so on. And so um, so just you know, bear that in mind. I started the Twitter over a year ago specifically because I wanted to fight the social justice battle that I saw raging and uh, starting to rage. It's raging now, and uh, especially in, in the church and in evangelicalism. And uh, you know, I, I don't regret it one bit. I think um, Twitter is definitely farther to the left than any of the other social media platforms that I have been on. But, um, but I, I've seen the benefit, and, um, and you guys are just such a blessing to me. So I just wanted to say that. And, and thank you for your prayers. I, I covet them. Please keep praying uh, for me that I would be focused, have um, the energy mentally to do everything that I need to do and bring some of this to you. And so um, anyway, look forward to seeing some of you at the Shepherds Conference for sure. Uh, I'm going to be doing some reporting today. I'm playing the reporter role. Sometimes I'm the commentator. Sometimes I'm the reporter. Uh, sometimes we open our Bibles. We do a Bible study. You know that this program has a lot of different facets to it. And today I'm, I'm the reporter and uh, specifically the interviewer. But before we get to this interview, and by the way, the interview, this is, this is an exciting interview. This is with uh, pa a pastor, Brad Jerkovich, who is uh, the the founder, if you will, of uh, the Conservative Baptist Network, which has received a lot of attention, even from Albert Moeller. I'll show you that over the weekend. And uh, and so I just went to him. I just want to get his story. What's going on? Why'd you start this? So uh, look forward to that. I'm going to bring you through a few things, though, to set this up, because I want you to be aware of the climate over the last uh, few weeks, especially the last week in particular, uh, that's essentially led to this moment that we're in right now. So Let's start with February 5th. Baptist Press, which is the official arm of the Southern Baptist Convention for Journalism, puts out Q&A with the 2019 Resolutions Committee about Resolution 9. Resolution 9 endorsed on a certain level, critical race theory, intersectionality as analytical tools. And the article is all about their motive. Hey, we had good motives. We had good motives. Uh, we're concerned too, just as you are, conservatives. Uh, but we had good motives. And um, of course, this is a little bit disingenuous because at the time they had the opportunity to correct these things. Tom Askell offered an amendment which would have said these ideas come from Marxist godless atheism. It was rejected as a hostile amendment from Curtis Woods, the chairman. And of course, uh, I pointed out a few podcasts ago that uh, Keith Whitfield, who is a member of the resolutions committee, uh, over the next week on Twitter, you could see he was endorsing people who were saying things like, it's the wisdom of Solomon. That's what the resolutions committee had, wisdom of Solomon, and all sorts of things endorsing it. So um, this is they're not calling to rescind it. They're not saying that we were wrong. They're just saying our motives are good. We didn't intend any harm. This is concerning. This is really concerning because Al Mohler then takes this, retweets it, and says this is the right tone, and we need to have a conversation. Now, Al Mohler says this over and over. We need to have a conversation in the Southern Baptist Convention. 
And over and over, when there's opportunities, uh, it doesn't happen. Or those who are trying to bring the conversation uh, up, the topic up, they are shut down. And Al Mohler doesn't say anything when that happens. And I think people are starting to realize this. Are you really after a conversation? Because every time we, you haven't had the conversation, you, you'll talk about these ideas in the abstract, but you won't actually talk about the real problem in your own denomination and your own seminary. And then when the topic's brought up, it's just the people who want to have the conversation are shouted down as not wanting to have a conversation. And I've gone through proper channels. I know many others have gone through proper channels. People are starting to get sick of this because they hear things, they start asking questions, and they get the runaround. Whether it's Danny Aiken or Adam Greenway or Al Mohler, whoever, they get the runaround and then nothing gets accomplished. It's just, trust us, nothing to see here. And this isn't going to work for long, guys. This is not going to work. Um, Southern Baptists want straight answers, just like members of other denominations that are experiencing the same issue. So um, we're not going through ancient history. This is within the last two weeks, essentially. This is another controversy. Hosanna Wong is the uh, teaching pastor at East Lake Church, one of the teaching pastors in the San Diego area. She is going to be doing spoken word, performing at the Southern Baptist Convention's Pastors Conference. Uh, Dwight McKissick says, well, it's not the lead pastor, it's just the teaching pastor. <laughs> Okay, um, Sam Bunnell. This is the voice of, I think, the the, the more working class, the um, those who haven't been in this debate, but who are now starting to see things. Listen to this, Sam Bunnell. The, the, not a guy with a big platform. The last thing I want to do is sow discord in the body of Christ. Hear that intention. That's what I have. That's what Tom Askell has. That's what everyone who's fighting this has. Don't want to sow discord. I, I, I've seen. Look, I've seen guys get shot. I mean, he's not saying this, but I'm saying he's probably looking around. I see guys get shot for, you know, supposedly sowing discord when they're bringing up legitimate objections. He said, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to sow discord. I do not believe I'm doing so, though. This is what he says. I must, however, question Pastor David, who is the, um, uh, he's, the guy organizing this conference, which, by the way, I should say this, Pastor David Oot, and I haven't done a lot of research on it, apparently very pro sort of same-sex attracted Christianity, soft peddling of LGBTQ stuff guy. So you can look that up yourself. But he's saying, um, I, I, I'm, I'm questioning this guy uh, for including Hosanna Wong. <laughs> this doesn't re represent the SBC. Uh, we will fight for rights. And of course, Beth Moore says nothing, you know, this is the, hey, look, this is a public service announcement on the Lord's Day. Uh, there are no women trying to take over SBC pulpits, least of all me, really, because she's preached at SBC pulpits on Sunday service. That's Beth Moore. And she's then blames the devil for uh, trying to rip apart the SBC. And there's all a distraction. And yeah, um, <laughs> that's where we're at. Then you have uh, ERLC uh, issues. Uh, we're going to come back to the pastor's conference in a minute. But Tom Buck put this out on February 15th. Look, look, here's, here's a woman who has written for the ERLC. Here's one of the stories uh, I put there, bringing good news to abuse survivors. Last year, September 27, 2019, Susan Condone. Susan Cadone uh, apparently wants to um, amplify the voices, they deserve to be amplified, of a few different uh, speakers. Of course, Beth Moore's on there, Rachel Den Hollander, Hosanna Wong, who we just talked about. But among these people um, are Jen Hatmaker, and, and listen to this, Rachel Held Evans. Rachel Held Evans. So heretics, heretics. And Tom Buck says, this is a good example of why some of the SBC formed the Conservative Baptist Network and don't view the SBC at large to be conservative anymore. Members of the ERLC Council think we should listen and amplify some women who are false teachers. And there will be silence about this from SBC leaders. Members of, a member of the ERLC Council, Susan Cadone. And of course, I think she deleted her Twitter right after this, but not a peep from Al Mohler or anyone who could actually do anything about this. That's the concern. How come you're so quick to go after conservatives and, and yet when you have power uh, to do something about actual heresy, not a peep, not a peep. Well, let's go back to the uh, conference uh, here for a minute. If you think the SBC's issues are social justice and social justice alone, you would be wrong because Pastor David Hughes, Church of the Glades, Coral Springs, Florida, is a speaker at the SBC pastor's conference. And here's what his church was handing out. He posted this on Twitter. Victoria's Secret. Oh, isn't that clever? Victoria's Secret with the Victoria's Secret eye kind of uh, logo there. And, um, you know, we're going to use this. I guess it's a advertisement for some kind of a relationship uh, 
uh, sermon series or something, and he's got the here's another one sermon sermon on the world's largest strip club or series. I don't know which. Uh, Come get naked. Here's the tagline. This is from his website with five thousand of your closest friends without taking off your clothes. Wow. Uh, the Bible's Game of Thrones. And of course, Game of Thrones is pornographic, features abuse of women, violent sex, rape. Of course, URLC, Rachel Den Hollander, who are very concerned about women being abused. They don't ever speak out against Martin Luther King Jr. He's a hero to them. And uh, his legacy, at least they don't say, hey, look, he, he you know, this guy was, there's, there's some, some issues here with <laughs> abusing women. And they, you know, nothing to say about David Hughes and using Game of Thrones sitting on a Game of Thrones. You should see the picture and the props. I'll show you in a minute. But this church spends a lot of money on dancing, on props. I mean, thousands of dollars that could be going to, uh, I mean, I'm assuming here because it looks very elaborate, but thousands of dollars that could be going to things like the Cooper program. Um, not very social justice, if you think about it. Just just a side comment here. I guess I'm, I'm bleeding into commentary, but you know, if, if we're supposed to be helping the poor and the, the oppressed, I, I don't know, spending all that kind of money on I mean, there's things to spend money on, but you would think like, a, you know, a Game of Thrones set wouldn't be one of those things. And hiring dancers to, to perform sexually provocative um, acts wouldn't be, which is uh, what they've uh, been doing as well. Um, so, so anyway, here, here's some more examples of that. Here's some pictures of the sexually provocative uh, dancing happening at the church. Here's some of the lyrics that have been sung from the church. So baby, I hope that you came prepared. I run a tight ship, so beware. I'm like the ringleader. I call the shots. I'm like a firecracker. I make it hot. Here's another one. I know many women want to be in my life. Why can't every woman end up being my wife? And uh, apparently another, Jared Longshore posted these, apparently another, um, uh, I guess, satanic song, and, and it's called Bad Guy. And I am not going to look up the lyrics. It says warning, but uh, you can see there's skeletons dancing and witches. Yeah, in church. It's a church set. Interesting. And uh, there's the picture of him sitting on a Game of Thrones throne. Uh, so, man, man, <laughs> this is happening in a Southern Baptist Convention Church. And here's what Tom Askell says, and this is very insightful. He put out this article this morning. You can find it in the info section. It says just a few things. He goes, last fall, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, President Danny Aiken hired Karen Swallow Pryor to teach at the seminary and its associated college. Dr. Pryor is the endorser of the Revoice Conference a conference that supports and encourages gay, lesbian, bisexual, and other same-sex attracted Christians. As you can imagine, the announcement, the announced um, hire raised many questions by Southern Baptists who will be asked to pay her salary. Last year, Matt Hall, provost of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, had some questionable teachings brought to light in the seminary's website and in video recordings. The most notorious of the videos was the one in Dr. Hall calls himself a racist, declares that he will struggle with white supremacy until he dies. Again, many Southern Baptists raised many questions about his teachings and confession. June, 9, uh, June of 2019, you have Resolution 9. Uh, and then this pastor's conference uh, fiasco. And he says, Here, here's what's happening. Do something questionable. So here's the pattern. So like hire a revoice endorser, you know, resolution, uh, CRTI, you know, critical race theory, intersectionality, recommend those things, promote uh, self-proclaimed racist to, as a provost, you know, do something like that. You get questioned on it by rank and file Southern Baptists. And this is absolutely true. And then deflect, defend, dismiss, obfuscate, basically do everything but give a straightforward answer to legitimate questions posed by cooperating Southern Baptists. This nails it on the head. Tom Askell just nailed it. That is exactly what's going on, and that's why this network, the Conservative Baptist Southern Baptist Network, was formed. And, and that is uh, what's going to bring us to the Conservative Baptist Network. We are excited to announce today the Conservative Baptist Network. Visit our website, and the website's there. That is also in the info section if you want to find out more about it. And here's the reaction, just as Tom Askell said. Uh, here's uh, Dean Insera, who um, I guess is an author, uh, he's got, you know, kind of a big church following. Uh, looks like he's a pastor at City Church, Tallahassee. Baptist Network, uh, this Baptist Network thing is what he says, is about love of Trump and being butthurt. Yeah, that's what the pastor should say, right? Butthurt about Paige Patterson. Don't be fooled. Inerrancy and sufficiency of scripture then do, uh, then do video of right-wing political talk that has nothing to do with scripture and an unbeliever could agree with. And of course, who jumps in the Twitter thread? Beth Moore. Uh-oh, you're going there, are you? I'm going with you. So, um, 
And he says, we already have, you know, we have a Baptist faith and message. That is the con conservative Baptist network. You know, th this thing is just about Trump and it's about Paige Patterson. Yeah, except that you don't find those things on the website. Um, here's, uh, here's another reaction. Uh, this is from Dwight McKissick and Michael F. Bird, who uh, I guess um, academic dean and lecturer, uh, looks like in Melbourne, uh, Australia. So I don't think he, I don't even know if the guy's Southern Baptist, but a lot of Twitter followers and it got, you know, Twitter traction. But he's saying that, uh, yeah, they're racists, essentially. <laughs> they're driven by racism, the people putting together this network. Then there's this ignorant tweet from Dwight McKissick. It's got so many layers of ignorance, I could spend a whole episode on it. I won't. But he's, he essentially compares this conservative Baptist network to the Confederate Army. They're just opposed to social justice for the slaves, and now they're opposed to social justice for blacks, and no self-respecting black pastor would join the group. And look, if you go to the website, here's the funny part. <laughs> Immediately, you will be confronted with a black woman of color endorsing the group. And I know there's other black people who endorsed the group. And it, you know, it, it just, it drives me nuts that some of these social justice guys just want to assume that every minority or black person or Hispanic person or whatever woman is, you know, they, they're just uh, on the same level with them, social justice all the way. And uh, if it, you're not a real black person, if you endorse this, you're, you're not self-respecting. That is, that's racist. That's condescending. He's calling, listen to this, he's calling. The, the black woman who is on the front page of the conservative Baptist network, he's saying she's not a self-respecting black person. I'm sorry, Dwight McKissick. Uh, you don't get to call other people racist when you are going to say that about a black woman. And the other black people and all sorts of various shades of color people who have different melanin counts, but who love God and love his word and endorse this organization, you don't get to the name call them and have people take you seriously unless they're super woke. This does not play well anymore. And, and this is the kind of uh, bully tactic that they are running on the super far left. Uh, here's another tactic, XBC Voices. I don't think I'll join Brad Jerkovich's secret group with undisclosed funding. Get the tinfoil hats out, right? Secret group with undisclosed funding. I'll ask Brad about that when we do our interview. Uh, Albert Moeller, the real network of Southern Baptists is called the Southern Baptist Convention. This is the most important one, guys. He says, that, that he's insinuating this conservative Baptist network, they're fake, they're fake. He doesn't do this about any other network. You have regional networks, you have ministry networks. Yeah, they're, they're fine. But as soon as you have a conservative Baptist network, yeah, that's not real. The real network of Southern Baptist, that's the Southern Baptist Convention. And I think this was a very telling I, I, um, response by Rod Martin, who's part of the conservative Baptist network. With great respect, Al, a lot of us are noticing the difference between your response time to the launch of the group. This is the conservative Baptist group who they all affirm the Baptist Faith Message 2000, and your response time to a woman teaching pastor at the SBC Pastors Conference. Interesting, that, but not at all encouraging. This is true. Al Mohler's not responding to obvious things. He's been asked for a long time, respond to this. Help us. This is what's going on. Not lifting a finger. But then when a conservative does something, this is true to form. This is what I pointed out to you last week in my video about Al Mohler. I said, this is his habit. Every time, just about, conservatives um, want to uh, have a conversation, he bashes them, or, or he doesn't, or he's silent. But if a liberal is attacked, he'll defend them. This has happened over and over and over. Go watch my video on that if, if you're uh, curious about what I'm talking about. Uh, and so <clears throat> this is the article that Dr. Albert Moeller put out this morning, the convictional cooperation of the Southern Baptist Convention. And here's the key part, I think, is what he said. Something interesting has happened among us. The generation of the conservative resurgence had no choice but to learn how to talk about theology, doctrine, hard questions, and unavoidable issues. Somewhere over the course of the last couple decades, Southern Baptists have lost our ability to talk respectfully and convictionally. We had better recover that ability fast, or we will destroy the very foundation of cooperation that has brought us into this moment. What is he insinuating? What is he insinuating? Given the timing of this, when he put it out, Conservative Baptist Network, you know, you're not, you're not learning to talk about theology, doctrine, and hard questions. You're not talking. This is a disgusting thing to say. And I think he's hiding an ambiguity a little here. He does that with a lot of his articles. Russell Moore is even worse at this, where they, they put out something and you know, it's like, I pointed this out with Russell Moore a few weeks ago. He had this whole article that was basically, a big part of it was against Trump, but he didn't say Trump's name. And, you know, Al Mohler's putting this out right after what happened on Saturday with his tweet and the Conservative Baptist Network. 
you make the call on what he's talking about here, but that's what it sounds like to me. And then, of course, this is interesting because the wagons are circled. Danny Aiken, superb article by Al Mohler. <laughs> Jason Allen, uh, I'm thankful for this helpful, timely article. Adam Greenway, genuinely helpful and timely word. I mean, they, I'm, I'm sure they genuinely feel that way, but it's coordinated. It's like they all immediately, you know, endorse this article. It's circling the wagons is what I call it. All right, so that's the climate that we are in right now. And I decided, why not just go to the horse's mouth? I am pleased to have with me today, very special guest, uh, Brad Jerkovich. Brad, thank you so much for joining me. It's actually Pastor Brad uh, Jerkovich. <laughs> and um, well, you, you've been the talk of the town lately, a uh, little bit at least, with your new network, the Conservative Baptist Network. Uh, you are, is it your director? Is that your title? Basically, just, basically spokesman right now. So you bet, man. We're just uh, part of a team and it's really been a lot of fun. So you bet. Awesome. So what made you decide to start this network? You know, John, um, I pastor a church and, you know, we've been engaged with the SBC for many, many years. Um, I love the SBC. It's been a part of my life, you know, growing up, uh, even though I had a lot of um, uh, dysfunction growing up with family and three different dads and so forth, you know. But God was very gracious to me. Um, I heard the gospel at an early age, but they were in Baptist churches. And so even though I would move and transition and do this and that, ended up mostly my growing up years in Southern California. But Southern Baptist churches were a part of my life, and I was challenged to follow Christ and stand for him. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. But, you know, and I, I went to Southern Baptist seminaries. I've been, it's just been a part of my life. And so that's why I've always used the term, not always, but I like to use the term uh, Southern Baptist family because it really is family. I mean, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we're connecting together to, to reach the world for Jesus. Um, but as a pastor, you know, you're, you're shepherding this flock, you're leading your staff team, you're, you're responsible on the, the theology side, you're responsible on the stewardship side, and you have to ask and answer these questions. Who are we supporting? What are we partnering with? What is this about? Well, as a First Baptist Church of Bossier City, we're a part of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. And so, there have been these concerning characteristics that I've talked about that not only I have seen, but members of my church. And then as I've talked to other pastors around the country, especially John, the last three to five years, you know, I was on the resolutions committee. I served on the committee on order of business. So I've seen a lot from the inside. I've got a lot of friends that are involved and that's cool. I love it. But I've also seen up close these concerns. And then I've talked to other pastors around the nation and you just get to this point where you go, okay, I know that I've voiced concerns and the needle's not moved. I know that other pastors have voiced concerns and certain things haven't happened or whatever. What do you do? You know, and so as a pastor and as a minister, you sit there and go, what does this look like to stay engaged with the Southern Baptist Convention? And so when we started talking to these other pastors, we said, um, what are we going to do? And they said, well, why don't we at least get together? And so honestly, John, that's what happened. It was a, a group of 20, 25 pastors that got together, we got together and just said, where are we at? And the, the very first meeting was just, hey, man, this is what, this is my the Southern Baptist Convention. This is your relationship with the Southern Baptist Convention. Where are we at? Do we share the same concerns? And we did. And we were, we were both burdened, but also believing God for the best. In other words, I don't believe everybody's bad in the SBC or that we're, you know, it's totally bad. But clearly, John, just like the conservative resurgence in the late 70s, early 80s, they saw concerns and felt like they had to take a stand. So we're pastors, we're pastoring our churches, and we're saying, you know what? We see concerns. What does that mean for us? And it would be easier to walk away. I'm not, I mean, no question about it. We're pastoring churches. We don't have time to be engaged 24-7 and all this kind of stuff. However, all of us share a love for this Southern Baptist family. Um, we believe in what God has done in the past of the SBC and what he can do in the future but clearly we need to have some honest conversations and we wanted to see something form that would give pastors and churches some confidence to say, Hey, they're standing for some things that I value. I can join that, not leave the SBC and prayerfully we can make a difference uh, in and through the SBC, but through, through an Avenue called this conservative Baptist network. I, I know that's a lot. I just want to give you a little bit of context. No, there. that's perfect. Thank you for yeah. sharing all that. Now you yeah. mentioned concerns and what you just said. Yeah. And I am obviously, I'm familiar with this because I've talked yes. about it so many times. 
Yeah. Um, but th there seem to be some people out there who are wondering, what concerns are you talking about? We have the Baptist faith and message. Doesn't that yeah. kind of, yeah. don't we all unite around that? Um, right. we, we are conservatives as Southern Baptists. What are you talking about that Southern yeah. Baptists are drifting into liberalism or I don't want to put words in your mouth, but could you flesh right. that out for me a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's multiple layers. Let's talk about seminary for a moment. Okay. I went to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in 1995, did my bachelor's in the college there, my master's, graduated in 2000. When I got there, here was a seminary that would have been termed very liberal, uh, you know, in the 80s and early 90s. Um, you know, they get a new president. You start to see this conservative, this, this swing of just, here's what we're going to believe, and this is what we're going to stand. The, that seminary began, to, first of all, it swelled in numbers. God blessed it incredibly. I mean, you talk about this term revival, John, we mm. saw that at Southeastern Seminary in the, in the mid to late 90s. It was awesome. And, and a ton of students started coming and standing. And I traveled all over North Carolina and Virginia and South Carolina and the East Coast preaching. And I saw what God was doing as pastors were getting stronger in the Word of God, unashamed with the Word of God. This is what we're going to believe. This is who we are. And God began to honor that. Okay. But so you can say all oh, you want. We sign this. We stand for that. Here's the Baptist faith, the message. But when you start to see things affected, okay, like an ideology, like critical race theory, okay, and it, it, it could be on any seminary level, but the seminary is important because they're training pastors. So if you're entertaining something that you go, wait a minute, I'm not even sure that's, uh, you know, compliments the gospel at all. I mean, we don't even need this. But when you see it affecting your seminaries and setting a cultural uh, environment that you have to accept this or you're not this or that, then I think you have to ask questions and go, well, wait a minute, these seminaries are putting out our pastors. And if pastors embrace that at seminary, they're going to teach that at their churches. That's a massive influence. So pastors like myself and all across the country are going, theology matters. And if we really, you know, when you look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 and you're sitting there going, we don't need anything else. We don't need the wisdom of the world, okay, uh, conflicting or undermining or, or, or countering the, the gospel message. So theology is important in how we apply it and, and what we're doing with that. So we're concerned on the theology level. Then you start to see things, and you didn't see it early on, but for the last five years, this, this, you know, this idea that— um, you know, to, to, to be um, engaged in religious liberty or freedom or voting your conscience. Pastors value that, right? As Baptists, we have fought for liberty and freedom of conscience and all these things. Well, when you start hearing things like, well, you know, um, we're a kingdom, we're of the kingdom of God, and so that's got to be above all. Well, of course we're kingdom citizens, but we also live in a country that godly people have fleshed out these principles and said, wait a minute, we can have freedom and liberty. It's okay to stand for those things in America. So when we talk about being engaged or, or some of it said, well, what about patriotism? What does that mean? Patriotism is not about a candidate. It's about being engaged to stand for liberty and freedom and pastors saying, I can vote my conscience and I don't have to be demeaned for that because I stand for liberty and freedom. But there has been a push in Southern Baptist life, John, that has somehow um, minimized that or dismissed it or been even derisive towards it, derisive towards it, that if you're involved about that or you want to stand for liberty and freedom, that you're somehow putting Jesus and kingdom citizen to the side and you're elevating your engagement with America or whatever that is. And that's just not true. And a lot of pastors are going, wait a minute, man, we either stand for these things or we're going to lose it all. And I don't think that's good stewardship either. So I don't, I'm just saying there are concerns there affecting the SBC that we're going, mm, we need to push back on some of this because this isn't healthy. It's not healthy for our, our denomination in, in our view. So yeah, that's excellent. I wanted to get a little more um, specific into the weeds a little, just because I know some pastors who are hearing this may be hearing it now for the first time. They're not regular right. listeners of, of right. what I talk about. And you and I, we know, we understand each other right now, but um, for, for those who, uh, I'll give you an example. I just got uh, an email. I get these kinds of emails yeah. um, fairly regularly. An email, you probably get them as well. Uh, I think it was two days ago. Um, Southeastern grad, just like you, you and me, um, mm -hmm. 
been kind of out of the loop for a few years on the politics of the SBC because you know what? He's busy pastoring a church. He doesn't have right. time That's right. to keep up with what the seminaries are teaching and what's being spoken yep. at conferences. Yep. And he saw your network and somehow he, I guess, I don't know, he found one of my social media um, yep. platforms and just sent me a message. He said, what's going on? Well, I don't even know. He says, I don't even know what critical race theory is. Right. And, but I am concerned that something has changed. Something doesn't feel right, but I, I yeah. could explain this for me. Um, what, what's happening. And so I want you to just talk to that person for a moment and explain with their Bibles that they have, that they preach from every Sunday, what is going on in Southern Baptist life that contradicts what we see in the written word of God or, or the foundational beliefs that we, um, you know, the hermeneutical ideas that we use to approach the word of God. Well, I would tell you this, um, when you're walking, I would say this to any pastor, I, I agree. I mean, I think some of these terms and ideas have become to, have come to um, influence our SBC. Um, I don't think we're overrun with it, but I think they've had a loud megaphone over the last three to five years. And so it seems like it's pervasive but clearly it's an issue and it's becoming an issue and pastors have to stop and think about, that's what I mean, John, about what is being taught, what is being embraced. Those seminaries are important and we value them. I love my time at seminary. I really did. I enjoyed studying and, and debating and, and getting into the word of God and, and, you know, getting prepared for that. So these pastors are busy, but when you talk about ideas, just like first Corinthians, I'm telling you, when Paul says we do not need the wisdom of the world, we have the gospel. It is sufficient. This is what this means. Well, we've got to stand for that. So when you hear ideas that say the starting point for gospel conversation or building bridges with your community, with the starting point is your skin color, mm. then that is very uh, antithetical to the gospel message. Because the gospel, Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. We're all destined for hell apart from the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if your lens, if your starting point is color and it's, it's driving everything you see and do, then you're automatically dividing when Jesus Christ unifies us. And, and, and Jesus Christ sets us free from our sin and our past, and we can have a future with him. And so rather than having this culture where everybody's a victim, Jesus Christ calls us to grace and faith and hope and victory. But I'm telling you, you now have this cultural environment right now in Southern Baptist life that if you even question these things, then you can be labeled a racist. That's if you right. even push back on it and say, well, wait a minute. If, if, if Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 that the gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified, then why is our starting point race? on everything, or skin color on everything. I'm just saying in practical terms. Also, when you start saying that power structures are so systemic and your very um, position, your very color, affirms or denies or suppresses other people, that's just a very unhealthy grid to look at life and certainly for church. Goodness gracious, if that's how you're going to perceive these things, how can you walk in unity in your church? How can you have that gospel message to the community and the world? So these are ideas. They have big, big names about them, John, no question about it, intersectionality. And by, by the way, let me just say, every pastor I met with in this last several months, so appreciative of Tom Aspen founders and the, and the Senate documentary. I mean, that was very helpful. Mm -hmm. And so we're, yes, we're grateful for that, um, that explanation. I thought that was very well done. And I've had a number of lay people in my church, you know, black and white and different ethnicities, watch that and say, Pastor Brad, we are not on the right track. We've got to do something different. So I hope that gives you a little flavor for that, what we're grappling with. That's, that's great. Yeah. And I, I will, I reference that documentary as well when people <laughs> ask yeah. me that, what's going on in the SBC. I'm like, well, this, this documentary can kind of help you. Um, yeah. Let's do kind of a short answer here. Um, yeah. Just just throw out a few ideas that have been promoted in some form somewhere in the SBC. Uh, let's start with liberation theology. Liberation theology, uh, you know, James Cone, uh, Gustavio uh, Gutierrez, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, there's, there's others who promoted this. Samuel Escobar kind of made this uh, evangelical, evangelicalized it in a way. And, uh, and this idea has been promoted um, at least at one seminary, which is where we graduated from, 
And, um, and liberation theology, this is how I understand it, um, this isn't a full definition, but the, where I would say it probably contradicts the scripture is the redemption of systems and structures apart from the particular redemption of Jesus Christ in the gospel. So, you know, we're going to, you could have a system that's redeemed without the people in that system who run the system being Christians. Right. That is not the gospel of scripture. That's not how right. we're supposed to engage culture in the New Testament. So that, right. that's, that's one idea. I mean, do you agree with that? Is that kind of where you're coming from as well? Or what do you think? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When, when, we, when our network was forming and we started talking about these, these kinds of ideas were, were coming together in all of our conversations. You know, it was some, one pastor might have a different, you know, slant on that concern or flavor or experience with that. And they would bring that to the table, John. But clearly, Jesus Christ came to change all of us because all of us are desperately wicked and we need salvation. So he came to redeem us. Jesus Christ is returning for us. And so whatever systems our world, it's all fallen anyway, but Christ redeems us, saves us, and it's the, the hope of the gospel is Christ in us and through us, and that needs to be our starting point. That need, it was Paul's starting point. He made it clear, and that needs to be ours as well. So anyway, I think anything that undermines that, or even, here's another thing for us, John, or, or confuses it. That's one of the big things for us with this network was, let's be clear. I, I, we are tired of the ambiguity or, you know, well, well, man, we're, we're, we attach the word gospel to 14 other things. And it's like, <laughs> so, issues, yeah. so, you know, that just gets on my nerves. And at the end of the day, I was pastors, we're called to open the word of God, preach and teach the word of God and call the people of God to follow Jesus, all mm. the hearts, souls, and minds. We don't need confusion right now. That's we need clarity right. and Jesus saves his power is true. And so when we talk about that, these other ideas, you know, debate them in a class, acknowledge them in a class, but for the love, when they start controlling the narrative and, and, the, and the agenda of what we're about, I, we don't think that's healthy. We see it creating confusion, division, it's unnecessary, and that's why the network is saying no. We're, you know, and even in our, some of our distinct, or in our list of distinctives, we are rejecting these ideologies like critical race theory and some of these because they are not helpful. They are creating mm -hmm. dysfunction and division in this Southern Baptist family. And we need to be strong to share Jesus with the world. We're not going to be as long as we tolerate this stuff and, and not only tolerate it, but affirm it. And so, that's very important. So standpoint epistemology, critical race theory, liberation theology, uh, egalitarianism, right. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. These are the ideas that you're concerned about sure. that you hear coming from different SBC churches and seminaries, and you're Absolutely. going to take a stand against these things, but for positively yeah. for the word of God. And, um, and so, yeah, that's good. I, I, I love what you're talking about. And I would encourage everyone out there who's in the Southern Baptist convention uh, to join. You can join as a church and I believe individually. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, we've got Southern Baptist individuals that may say, Hey, I want to join that. I want to be in the flow with that. And maybe they encourage their pastor or church family or whatever, but it could be very helpful for that. You bet. And we've had several individuals do that. What kind of, uh, what are you getting? What's the reaction from people joining the positive reaction? Yeah. John, it's been crazy. I mean, I think that clearly there's a hunger and, 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 and a desire uh, to, to take a stand in a positive way uh, in the SBC. We, that's what I'm saying, John. We love this family. Um, God's used it in our lives, collectively, individually, in different ways, and, and, and so forth. So we're doing this because we love it, okay? We're not interested in just being some, you know, uh, flame-throwing voice out there. We're saying, hey, let's take a stand together. Let's be brothers and sisters in Christ, but let's be honest with what the Word of God says. And that's what we're hearing from folks are saying, number one, thank you for taking the time and the, and, and the effort to do it. Um, they appreciate the fact that we're trying to, to, that, you know, that was one of the things. Was it a Calvinist? Is it a traditional thing or whatever? We're saying, wait a minute. We've got people that are more reformed in their theology, more traditional in their theology. And, and this is, this is, we're looking at these bigger, broader issues that, by the way, John, are not just affecting the Southern Baptist Convention. They are affecting every denomination out there that wants to take a stand on the Word of God or any group. And so I'm telling you right now, we've got to come together and say, let's roll for Jesus because we're going to lose this denomination if we don't push back on this because there's clearly, there's unrest out there they're disgruntled, they're bothered, they're burdened, and they're saying, is there any hope, and is it worth it? That's the bigger thing too, John. Is it worth it to take a stand for this family? 
I think it is. And this is what I shared with my church family yesterday, John. I've heard so much positive feedback the last 48 hours. And I shared with my church yesterday, my priority is to, is to be the best pastor I can be for First Baptist Church of Bossier City. I don't want to neglect that. But we are part of a broader body of believers called the Southern Baptist family. And I believe it's worth taking a stand for. It may not be, you know, I don't know what God's going to do with it, John. Okay. But I think we, I want to look my congregation in the eye and say, Pastor Brad did everything he could to help our denomination stay strong, biblical, and, and passionate to sharing Jesus, the gospel message alone Amen. in this world. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Pastor Brad, I love what you're saying. One of the things I saw, uh, Dr. L. Muller had put out an article this morning, and it seemed to insinuate that uh, there's a problem in the convention right now uh, in regard to having conversations. But what, I hearing, what I'm hearing from you is, the reason you started this is because you want to have these conversations. Absolutely. Am I correct? Absolutely. It's about having a conversation. Correct. Okay. But, but, but we're com- we, we wanted to be as clear with our distinctives so we could be clear in our conversation. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what I mean, mm-hmm. John. You know, it's one thing to come together and have a, say, well, we're all conservative. Okay, well, define your terms. I mean, what does that mean? You know, if you're just saying I'm conservative, but you're going to adopt, embrace, and affirm these ideologies that are clearly undercutting the gospel, then we're not on the same page. So, so in other words, if someone, and I, I could give you countless examples of this, if someone right. came to you and said, uh, Pastor Brad, I'm a conservative. I've signed the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Right. I believe in inerrancy. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, when you're studying the Bible, it's good to approach it from the lens of the oppressed or some socio-political, ethnic, whatever yeah. group. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they're going to give you a perspective that you don't have with your white privilege. Right. Now, do you hear that? I hear that. And I know I, I, a warning bell goes off. Do you hear that? And you say, well, that's not exactly conservative. You're undermining the very document that you've signed. You're undermining inerrancy and objectivity when you right. do that. Is that it, it, yeah, that's exactly right. And, that, and that's, what I'm, that's what's been tough about these last four or five years. In, in other words, you're not necessarily finding people say, well, I don't believe in the literal interpretation of Genesis 1 through 11 today. You, you know, I, I've been hard pressed to hear that argument, but you do hear, oh, I believe the word of God. It's just, you need to look at it through this lens, or here's your starting point over here. It's about power and oppression. Right. Well, if that's your lens, that's totally not what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, and, and he didn't go to Corinth with those kinds of assumptions. And he, he heard them. He knew that that was worldly wisdom. That may be worldly wisdom, but that's not the gospel. And that's not the gospel message. And if we're going to be conservative and be truthful about what Southern Baptists have fought for and stood for and, 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 and been strong to preserve, by the way, men and women believe this. This is not, you know, so it's, it's, it's very important. And so I think that's one of the reasons we said, let's form this network by the grace of God to create some clear communication and dialogue. This is what we believe. This is what we believe Southern Baptists have believed, you know, for decades. We, we fought a strong battle in the early 80s. No one likes a battle. No one likes confrontation. We don't. We don't even like it in marriage, John. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when Stephanie and I have an issue or whatever, it's hard to come back and say, hey, I was wrong, or maybe I didn't see it this way, or this is what's right. So this is a big family. There's thousands and thousands of people involved here and so we're saying, God, can you use this network to bring some clarity, to foster some communication? But listen, John, you and I both know, when you have that kind of dialogue and conversation, there's going to be sparks, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's why people are afraid. It's like, well, I don't want to be labeled this. I don't I draw a line with a brother or sister in Christ, but sometimes you have to do that. And listen, if you love someone, if you love something, then you're going to be willing to do that. You're going to be willing to have those conversations, and that's important. But if we don't start, you know, and that's what I'm saying. I think that the, the documentary from Founders was fantastic. It was, it, was, it was well done. I love the tone. And it's just like, so what do you do with that, okay? So yeah. now this network can, maybe it could be a, a vein, a stream, an avenue to start having that, even knowing, and, I, and this is what I'm saying, knowing there's going to be pushback, knowing there's going to be sparks, knowing there's going to be people that go, well, I don't trust their motives or whatever. You, sometimes you have to take that risk, John. And yeah, there's, there's three, we've already dealt with some of this, but there's three objections, broadly speaking. One is okay. you guys are racists. <laughs> so we'll start, we'll start there. Wow. Brad, are, are you a racist? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> okay. no. 
And I, I noticed when I went to the, the network, I was like, what? There's a racist Baptist convention. I looked it up, and you, you have uh, some, you even have people of different ethnicities mm -hmm. kind of advertising, vouching for this network on your website. I didn't find anything in the statement of faith about racism or any of that. Um, and it, so, so I'm just, I'm befuddled. <laughs> Why? Well, it, it's, it, listen, um, this is what some of the problem with the entire SBC conversation has been. When, and, and we see that in the world. I just think and as pastors and leaders in the SBC, we ought to be different. So if you're going to dialogue about these ideas to just come back and say, well, you're a racist. Well, that's not a very healthy or in my mind, spiritually mature, competent response. I mean, at the end of the day, um, we, those things matter. It's childish. You know? It's it a name call and there's no basis for it. It's just trying well, to start John, listen. So Lorraine Spratt has been engaged in Southern Baptist life for years. She's been engaged big time. And, you know, to just dismiss her. And listen, we've got a number of people involved with our network that are of different ethnicities and backgrounds, men and women. I mean, it is what it is, but it's the ideas. That's the point, John. Mm -hmm. So, we, you know, you can have 48 different representations of every different background, but if people don't agree with the ideas or the principles, we've got to be comfortable with the fact that you're not going to please you know, that person that's arguing from that vantage point, because it's not, you know, it's not what they're that's purporting. Right. So uh, I just think that's sad, to be honest with you, and, and to be that dismissive of this network right out of the gate with, with when the proof is so upfront, it's very sad. Yeah, and I don't, I didn't see like a lot of people, but unfortunately some right. people that have a, a, some big names and platforms. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. the, other, the other thing, uh, this is the second thing, is that you're funding. It's all a conspiracy. There's some super, I don't know what, they're right-wingers in, in smoke-filled rooms who love Trump that are funding you. And, and you know, you know, off the, um, before we started this conversation uh, live, uh, recording it, you had told me that essentially your donations are coming from pastors. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's small country pastors and, you yeah. know, up to the city pastors, but it's, this is a collective network of, that's grassroots. L Mine. Listen. John, when we were when we were meeting, and again, we've met in different locations around the country. We've had conference calls. We're pastors trying to pastor our churches, and so we've got a lot of work and pressure on us. Right? This is extra, and uh, these men and women have met together, and so uh, uh, you know, pastors, and then we've been meeting. And you look around, and you say, okay, it's going to cost some money to do an event at the Southern Baptist Convention on on Monday night, June eighth. How do we pay for it? You know. And, or it's going to cost some money to do a website. It's going to, you know, things cost money. So where does that money come from? And you look around and say, well, I can kick in this or, or our church can do this or I'll do that. I mean, that is literally what has been going on. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I don't really know what all the other layers to that would be or whatever, but, but people mm -hmm. would perceive that. But at the end of the day, I know my leadership team at my church, I shared this all with them uh, a few weeks ago. I said, we're going to be sharing with this, going public with this. And what do you guys think? And to a man, they were affirming of this and whatever our church needs to do. But that's the conversations that pastors have been having with their leadership. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. And uh, I'm just I'm sorry that, you know, you have a few um, people on, on social media who want to take shots at your network when the, you know, they have no evidence to back any of it up. Um, right. I, my understanding, though, is and this is what I've seen, is that it's been overwhelming positive response. Very much so. We need this. This mm -hmm. is, we've approached, we've gone through the proper channels. Yep. We haven't gotten anywhere. Yep. People put us off. They say they're going to do something. They don't do it. I know that's me. I know that's you. Yep. Um, we need this. We, we need something to hold the, the leader's feet to the fire mm -hmm. and tell them this is not the direction we want the convention going. Right. Um, what, what are your plans? Give me some positive plans here, your goals and what, how you're going to accomplish them moving forward. So the bigger thing to get this network public was to let uh, pastors, churches, leaders know, hey, uh, there's hope. Um, we're willing to uh, fight for this because we love the convention. We love this Southern Baptist family um, to give some clarity on here's, here's a, uh, a network that, you know, believes this, affirms this, is headed here. We value this. Let's, the, the biggest thing was a lot of these pastors are disengaging, John, uh, and, and not just financially. I mean, they're literally just backing away. And I'm going, if we continue to do this, you're going to see an exodus in the next year or two years that is just is crazy. So we wanted to first let them have some hope, stay engaged. Okay. And I think that's happening. That's already started to happen. And so clearly uh, that idea has been uh, well received and we're grateful for that.
But we do have plans in the sense of, um, look, we're not trying to run the convention, okay? I mean, like I keep saying, we're pastors doing this, but we do need confidence in our leadership. We need confidence in our seminaries. We need confidence in the direction that we're going with our entities. And so how do we do that? Well, out of this network, we want to encourage them. So that's what I'm saying. We're not alone. Let, that was the other thing, John. A lot of these pastors I talked to, they felt alone uh, in their ideas. They, they felt like if, if I speak up, I'm going to be you know, labeled and, da -da 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 and dismissed. That's just sad. So there's strength in numbers. There's encouragement in numbers. There's iron sharpening iron in numbers. And so we wanted to create that avenue, number one, for that. Encourage them. Let them know. And that's going to happen through weekly communication. We want to equip, okay? So that's going to happen through articles, videos, dialogue. But from our vantage point, from what we believe, conservative Southern Baptists for decades have said, this is what we believe, and this is why this is important. So again, if we can, you know, inject that, that information, communication to encourage uh, pastors who do believe that say, hey, you're not alone and you're not crazy for thinking that. That's what we believe for you. Um, so encourage, equip, and then we also want to empower. And so whether that's at the annual convention, I just think we need, you've got to be able to speak as one voice on things. And I just think in the last four to five years, John, and, and other pastors have felt this way, we've been all on our own. We don't really know how to respond. Well, where, what's the angle of this conversation? Where are we going with that strategy? This can help coalesce some things in the SBC where we can speak as one voice or a more united voice, a more prepared voice uh, going into the annual meeting. And then we've got some cool ideas to encourage pastors uh, on a lot of these issues throughout the year, whether it's a regional conference here or there, just some things that just let them know, again, it's not to replace something, it's to help pastors be, stay engaged, be encouraged, be equipped, and let's be uh, engaged in this process. I think that's healthy. If people want to join the Conservative Baptist Network, where can they go? Yeah, so conservativebaptistnetwork.com. And, you know, I know it's a little lengthy when you first type it out, but then I think our computers remember that stuff. So They do. Good. That's right. Uh, but then they can go, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those platforms uh, have been, frankly, very well engaged. And uh, that's pretty cool in just the first few days. So You even have an Instagram. Yeah. Really? So you're yeah, getting in with the cool it's kids. <laughs> it's changing lives, John. It really is all across the world. But I, uh, I wanted my kids to know that, that their dad was at least aware of some of that technology out there. So we've had fun with that. But uh, thank you yeah. so much for the time. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. My pleasure, uh, Pastor Brad. God bless you. We're praying for you moving forward. And I uh, look forward to meeting you in person someday. You bet. God bless you, John. Have a great day, sir. Yeah. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.